Quack, quack, quack. We just came back and beat Utah. That is right. It always feels good to beat that team, even with the injuries. And the injuries were absolutely ridiculous. Like you got to give it, you got to give the Utes credit for being where they're at, where they are still a ranked team, where this was, you know, college game day, where this was a big deal. They had 18 consecutive home wins. You got to give them credit that this was such a big deal that some Duck fans were sweating this game because they are beaten up bad. Like, obviously, we all know the injuries to Cam Rising out for the season. Didn't play a single down the whole season. Same with Brant Keithy. Those are huge for uh, an Andy Ludwig offense. We know he loves his tight ends. That is, that's what makes the whole thing going. So those are, are disastrous injuries, let alone there's, there's like 10 other injuries, both on offense and defense for this squad. So you do feel for them. You know, Sione Vake uh, is a really cool player, but the reason why he's having to play two-way is because so many running backs are down. And even in this game, like Jackson was, was getting injured. I mean, it's a power to them, but at the same time, this was a clinical, awesome, uh, uh, like playoff-worthy, Heisman-worthy performance from this team. I don't like talking playoffs too much, but this was the kind of win which just one team should be dominant, and even though they're on the road in a very hostile environment, in a very rough place to play, they just clearly looked the better team. Uh, it was kind of like the Stanford team as far as the other uh, teams like scoring drives, as in there was two field goals before the half, and that's it. And so, I mean, defensively, we did exactly what we needed to do. They weren't having any easy runs, that's for sure. And even there was uh, whew, three or four times where it came down to third and short or fourth and short. And they were looking to do the standard Utah thing, the bully ball, just push us over by having, you know, a couple tight ends, two, three tight ends out there, uh, big old linemen, and just try to be the more physical team. We won basically all those spots, especially the, the really meaningful ones. So that really, really impressed me. Uh, they were one of three on fourth down. 5 of 15 on third down. Yikes. And a lot of that was because Dan Landing knew what he was getting into, as in, let's shut down the run game. If someone's going to beat us, it's got to be Bryson Barnes, the pig farmer, who, again, deserves some, uh, some credit because he's in a rough situation, but is very obviously not a top-tier Pac-12 quarterback. Maybe I should just leave it at that. Not, not, you know, there's not too many power programs who would be dying for a Bryson Barnes. But he's out there. You know, he does have them bowl eligible, so that's pretty cool. Um, They threw for, well, 142 passing yards. They had 241 total yards. Uh, uh, keeping this team under 100 rushing yards, and that's clearly what they want to do. In Salt Lake City, 
that deserves a hearty quack. That is impressive as hell. Uh, what wasn't so impressive, and you know, even in these wins, even in the Chip Kelly era, even in the the seasons we've gone to national championships. You want to find something, and the coaches want this too, to work on. You know, you want to find some area where we can improve so that next week and the week after that, when we play USC, we'll be even that much better. I think there's a very obvious place we can improve. Because otherwise, like, I'm not going to say dropped passes was a problem. Sure, there was one or two, uh, you know, to like, to Troy Franklin, our surest best receiver. So, like, I that's not really a problem. Um, they weren't really getting the Knicks all that much. There was the one fumble, but again, that's to Bucky Irving, and he's usually so reliable. What are we gonna do? Bench Bucky Irving? No. So <laughs> and he redeemed himself fully afterwards. So that's not really a problem. I think it's clear what the problems are are penalties. Especially in big games when it's going to be close. We had eight penalties for 58 yards in this one. I want to say four of them, maybe five of them procedural. Uh, And, you know, on some of our best linemen. Like, I know two of them at least were on Josh Connolly Jr. And those false starts and, and, you know, stuff like that, like, they did take away a lot of our momentum. At times. At the same time, though, we were occasionally able just to go, eh, that's all right. We'll march down the field. So that's nice. Um, the defensive, uh, the pass interference wouldn't be so bad if they called it on the other team sometimes. I'll say that much. I don't know. Not to be a homer, but I feel like we never get those calls. They, there's a whole lot of, as Hithaday says, a lot of wide receivers with one hand trying to catch balls, and I'm sure they're not doing it one-handed just to make, uh, you know, like Sports Center's top ten or whatever. Like, no, they're doing it because the other hand's being held. But um, so so that's it's it's obvious. Like we've got a solid offensive line. It's just they're still gelling. There's still new-ish people on there. There's still younger players there, and even if they're all vets, sometimes. You know, especially in a bad environment, a false start is bound to happen. But they are happening a bit too much. And we don't need to be giving teams like USC or even Oregon State, certainly not Washington if we see them again, we don't need to be giving them extra opportunities. We need to get, in. you know, we, we don't need that. Need that like a hole in the head. Uh, Bo Nix, however... Obviously, just fantastic. The most experienced college player, most co- experienced college quarterback, you could easily say. Most starts, I do believe, is the official uh, moniker that he's earned or, or official award. They should actually print something out for him. Most starts by a quarterback in college football history, baby. Maybe even player, I think I heard him say, but we'll see. Uh, 24 of 31, 248 yards, two touchdowns. Not only that, but we weren't even afraid to run him all that much. He did have four carries. He did get a touchdown. And I think the best part about Bo in this particular game is even when we were up big, which was pretty quick, you know, we scored on three of our first four drives, touchdowns, 
even when we had the big lead and it really seemed like Utah wasn't going to be able to do anything against our defense. He was getting pissed at little missed assignments, little missed routes, you know, uh, um, just just the little things where he's like, well, that could have been a first down. Now we're punting, even with a big lead. And it was nice to see him and not angry in like a toxic way where, you know, it's not actually helping anyone, but angry in a way that it was another coach on the field, which is what you get. When you get an experienced player like Bo Nix, he's another coach. Dan Lanning said the same thing. Um, Bucky Irving, he did have that one fumble. That does suck. But overall, what is that? What is that? Three uh, turnovers this season? I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I don't know. We're destroying in the turnover game, which with our offense, our defense, and we're winning the turnover game, yeah, that's why we very possibly could be the top of the Pac-12 because I because we had that interception, the really ugly interception against Colorado, which that game was already, you know, in hand at that point. But against Colorado, there is that one where Knicks probably didn't even see the guy. Then uh, in this game, I, we had the fumble, Bucky Irving's fumble. And then uh, I, I'm sure there's another one, but I don't even remember at this point. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I truly don't remember another one. But um, yeah, I love it. And, that, and again, that's why it's nice. That's why I don't understand the people that are like, we're not bombing it down the field enough. Like I get at times there's open guys in the middle of the field and yes, Bonick should be hitting them. But it's not like this offense is just nickel and diamond, just doing screens, just doing quick outside passes. He is committing to that when it's open and when it's like, oh, one guy to beat and our guy's Troy Franklin. Yes, I'll take that. And you should. Or Tez Johnson is streaking across. It's like, yeah, sure. That's at least, you know, five yards could be 15 or 20. So I, I got no problem with what Will Stein's doing here. Plus, he's a young guy. Like, we'll just be adding more and more wrinkles. As Hithliday said, too, we're adding new looks this late in the game, which is pretty impressive. Something new. And it doesn't seem to be um, throwing us off our game. I mean, we just went to Salt Lake fucking City and won 35-6. to six. Like, that is, it was nearly like all those other, like the Colorado and the Stanford win. Basically just as dominant. The only difference uh, was that we weren't scoring into the fourth quarter. We were game managing. I mean, we had Ty Thompson out there even. Didn't ask him to do anything besides kill some clock. But um, uh, not only that, though, one difference than those games, like the Colorado game or something, is that we didn't let him score in the fourth. And now that's probably, or the third, or the second half in general. Some of that is really because, look, I know Utah was ranked uh, 13 when we played them here. I know Utah only had one loss, that they had beaten some pretty good Pac-12 teams, gone undefeated and non-con, but you have not been paying attention. If you think this Utah team, this Utah offense specifically, was one that was going to make this competitive. Just saying. Like, I was afraid 
sure going into this game because it's Salt Lake City, Rice Eccles Stadium, very tough environment. Uh, Ducks have some good history there, some bad history there. But if this game was going to be close, it was going to be because they are just living in Oregon's backfield, giving Bo Nix a really bad day. Maybe Bo Nix doesn't complete the game. Um, and we just had an off day because it was not going to be Bryson Barnes just, you know, gets set loose against us and throws for 400 yards. Like anyone who's been watching this Utah team knows. I don't think this offense is capable of that. Maybe if they had some more of their injured players returning, but even then, it's just not happening this year. That's not how they've been winning their games even. So once we had that, you know, 21 to 3 or 21 to 6 lead cuz they had the field goal before the half. Um I was <laughs> I was feeling pretty solid, I'll tell you that. <sighs> And and wow, just to hold them scoreless in the second, like I feel, I feel amazing. To tell you the truth, and again, like how much credit we give, like oh UCLA. Well, to UCLA's credit, they held Utah to fourteen points, even though in a loss, it's pretty impressive. It's like pff, we did six in Salt Lake City, please. Whew. Um, yeah, a lot of good players to shout out here. Obviously, Troy Franklin almost got that 100 yards, eight receptions, 99 yards, one touchdown, 30-yard long. Tez Johnson also had a really good game, six catches for 51 yards. Bucky Irving, I mean, that one mistake, but hey, great game, great player. Um, should be on Heisman watch if if this Bo guy wasn't stealing all the credit. <laughs> but it's right. Just send them both. Send all three. Send, like, I don't know. Brandon Dorless there too. Just all ducks. All duck candidates. And then they all split the Heisman. Make two more Heismans. Give it to all three of them. Um, Terrence Fergan had only one catch, but quite the catch. Holy cow, is that a catch? On defense, Jaleel Florence back in action. I know he was back for the last game too, but still very impressive. Uh, led the team in tackles, nine tackles. Evan Williams was probably definitely had the most highlights, had that huge hit. Oh, my God. Like, you saw the flag. The flag was clearly thrown before the hit, but I think a lot of people probably thought it was due to the hit because it was a nasty one. You could hear it. Cameras picked that one up clean. That was great. Um, Kyrie Jackson back, back in quaction. That is, that's a must, especially us going against USC pretty soon here, which I know USC is, who the hell knows what USC is right now, but we're going to need some good cornerbacks, so it was nice to see. Uh, Tuioti hit the field. I even like seeing that. Justin Jacobs, oh, needed him against a team like Utah. Um, I mean, there was plenty to crow about. Jordan Birch. Uh, had set the edge, did really well. Blake Purchase was really making a lot of uh, Ducks very happy for the future for that young freshman. He had that one big-time sack in which you just saw, like, oh, yeah, that's the possibility right there. Hell yeah, baby. Love seeing Casey Rogers out there. I just want to shout him out in general. Dude, I'm fucking stoked for this team. It's It's truly, we got a defense. Doesn't that feel good? We actually have a defense to be excited about. 
it has been a long freaking time since that has happened. Um, Bryson Barnes was held to 136 yards in the air. Come on, man. That is great. That makes me so damn happy. Uh, yeah. I don't know what to say. We beat Utah and Salt Lake City. And that's the last time maybe ever we will have to go there. I am kind of bummed as a Pac-12 fan, obviously. As a Pac-12 fan that I, I've never got to see Rice Eccles Stadium. I'll probably never get to see the Ducks play there again. I don't imagine. Maybe. But, you know. I, I wonder if we'll ever have like a decade where we are, we are feeling nostalgic enough as an administration and, and as a fan base to go, fuck it, next 10 years, our non-con's going to be full of of uh, basically class reunions, conference reunions. We're going to play at Utah, and then next year they're going to come play at us. We're going to go visit our friends down in Stanford. That's what it's going to take, Wazoo, Oregon State. Ugh, that still feels sickening to say it's non-con, but whatever. Um... Yeah, but I, you know, I could even see one day just going on a trip. If I was for some reason in Utah during football season, I would gladly make a trip and watch Utah beat the shit out of Oklahoma State or something like that. I don't know what I'd wear. That's a serious, maybe I just wear street clothes. Feels like an asshole move to wear duck gear, but feels feels wrong to wear Utah gear. What am I going to do? Just throw that away immediately afterwards? Donate it? Because I'm not taking it home. Get my ass kicked by these ravenous Oregon fans and Eugene. Come on. I'm not doing that shit. The Pac-12 is still up for grabs, but it's almost getting scarier. Because a loss means more and more to the top. Let's look at uh, some of these scores. We had a fucking wild week. Number five, Washington visits Stanford and barely wins after barely beating ASU. Uh, This was not a defensive stand like it was against ASU, who legit has a good defense. I think we should just say that now, which is very impressive. And no one saw that coming. Um Washington at Stanford, this was much more of a shootout. This was a one-point game late in it. Stanford uh, was looking to convert on like a fourth and short and just barely didn't make it. Should have made it, but my man dropped the pass, dropped the catch, whatever you want to say. And Washington scored a late touchdown, and then the score ended up being 42-33. to But for real... Stanford almost won this game, which I don't really know how to feel. I'm pretty torn about. It would have been great for for me laughing-wise for Stanford to have won. And I don't necessarily – I'm not dying to play – like I want to be in the Pac-12 championship game. It would be nice narrative-wise to beat them, to avenge our loss, plus Oregon-Washington in a Pac-12 championship game. That That just – it's got legend written all over it. But I would be happy, legit happy, if it was Oregon and anybody else who doesn't have those wide receivers and that quarterback. Even with them struggling now, 
I'd almost rather not play Washington. Plus, it'd be funny if they didn't even make it to the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, so I'm kind of rooting for that. But at the same time, it'd be pretty epic for, for them to keep winning and for us to beat them on that stage. So uh, number Oregon, number eight Oregon beat number 13 Utah. Oh, yeah. Oh, did they beat them? They beat the shit out of them. Number 11, Oregon State at Arizona. What a game. This is a very competitive game. Um, it just, And I think it also, from a national perspective, I think people are underrating Arizona because they have three losses, even though they almost beat Washington, almost beat USC, um, almost beat Mississippi State. Honestly, <laughs> all three of their losses are pretty close. I love Noah Fafita. Oregon State is a little overrated. I think it's safe to say. Um, DJU is like an improvement on their quarterback, but is not a transcendent quarterback whatsoever. And I think that was proven in this game when he's going against a pretty good Arizona defense, but only musters 24 points. Um, Holy shit, Johnston Smith made just one of the most baffling decisions at the end of the half. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. It was about 30 yards out or something like that. Instead of going for the field goal, which is not a given, as we all know, college kickers and kickers in general, um, not a given. But he instead goes for like a fake field goal, tries to run it with his kicker, who obviously wasn't going to make it. He isn't juking and, and pushing past defenders to get 25-yard time. It would have been amazing if it worked, but pretty boneheaded, and they end up losing by three, which coincidental, but also... Three points. Uh, Colorado at UCLA, number 23 UCLA. Well, Colorado is Colorado. Hopefully they make a bowl game, but not guarantee. Number 24 USC at Cal. <laughs> Hithla Day, I'm so sorry. Hithla Day has been saying for weeks now, since the Notre Dame game, I believe, that USC was not going to win another game. And it all kind of came down to this is could Cal, the worst team remaining on their schedule, beat them? And they almost did. They led by 14 points. They Cal loses 50 to 49. These are our next two teams we play. Uh, and they just go to show you that, yes, they have talent on their defense. And they can score. They have the possibility to score a lot. But they are all, all both very flawed teams that we should beat, especially in, as uh, Gus Johnson says, says, Austin Stadium. Last but not least, Washington State at Arizona State. Hell of a game. If you're a Sun Devil. I love the Sun Devil team. Um, they're so plucky. I, I I like them a lot. I like them a lot. I like where Kenny... If I was an ASU fan, I would be ride or die Kenny Dillingham. He is my man. He's got the passion, even in this season where they're not even allowed to go to a bowl game. This team is playing with their pants on fire. I love the Sun Devils. Shame we don't get to play them in the future. But I hope they upset... <laughs> Some team that isn't us. They've looked competitive. Almost beat Washington. Almost, I mean, we're competitive against USC. Nearly beat them. Beat Wazoo. Like, hey, that's punching a bunch above your belt considering they had one win against Southern Utah University before this last Saturday. So 
That's your look at the bottom 11. We beat Utah. That is all that matters in this world until we play Cal this Saturday. I'm your host, Adam Chimeo. This has been the Quack 12 Podcast. See y'all next week. Let me get a duck. Let me get a duck here. Quack, quack. Quack, quack.